Good morning. I just want to read a little something that my daughter-in-law sent um, about um, my five-year-old grandson. And um, it just is precious And um, because I haven't seen him in a long time. I, I just want to share. It says, Tonight we read the story of the Tower of Babel. He's five and his sister just turned three. After we read, I was asking follow-up questions. And AJ, the five-year-old, got the question, Why did God not want them to build the tower? So she says, keep in mind the version we read didn't really give an answer. I just wanted to see what he thought so we could discuss it and I could give him some guidance on that. And AJ said, because the people didn't need a stairway to get to heaven, they needed a savior. No guidance needed, she said, because he already got it. So um, that just was precious to me that he would know that at five years old and be strong enough to say that. I want us to be that, be that in tune with what Jesus is, who he is. Um, And um, I'm praying that for us. And I'm praying that more people, we will be able to lead more people in that way of understanding who Jesus is. So today, um, you are kind of stuck with me giving the sermon. And I'm really sorry, because usually Feast does it. and um, But it's me today. And so... I am a teacher, and I like visuals, so (laughs) I brought visuals. I also like participation, so get ready for a little participation. So today, um, my verse that I'm just kind of camping out on for a while is, You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people, and I that. God gives power and strength to his people. And um, we we need that. We need that. I need that. Um, and so as we walk through our year this year, um, that's my prayer for us, that we would walk in power and strength. So I, um, sorry, I just feel too short behind this thing. So I'm going to be looking this way. Sorry. Um, so today I'm really going to talk about culture. And when we talk about moving to one service, one roof, one service, um, we are going to have a little culture shock. We are going to have a little culture shock. And it is going to happen. And we are going to move, and we are going to be one church. And I am excited about that. But I, we have to talk about culture in the other church, too, not just this church. We have to talk about culture because culture is so ingrained in us. And culture, when you think of culture, so tell me something you think about the American culture. Go ahead, pop out. Loud. Loud. Ooh, I didn't get that one. Loud. What else do you think about for the American culture? Self-centered. Okay. What? Opinionated. Yes. Okay, secluded and money-oriented. Wow. You guys are very going very deep here. <laughs> Yeah, getting all the stuff. You need stuff as an American. Individualistic, very much. Yeah. Generous. Mm -hmm. Americans are generous. Yeah. Here's mine. Baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. Nobody thought of those things. Um, So when we think about culture, our American culture, we know that culture very well. We know we, we live in it. It seems normal. It seems right. Right? It seems right. For the most part, we would say that it's right. Now, um, every, God 
created all peoples. And so, I, Sam, I might pick on you. I'm sorry. I might pick on you, but you'll be fine. Um, so God created all peoples, and he gave everyone, every people group, a unique footprint, a unique culture, a unique place where he has put himself in their culture, even if they don't know him. He put himself in there so that when they seek him, they can find him. And that makes me so excited. That means that when we look at cultures and we embrace different cultures and we come to them, we will see a different facet of who God is, of who Jesus is, when we discover what God's put in that culture. And it gives us a bigger, deeper, broader understanding of who God is. And that, to me, is a treasure. It is a treasure that I want. And I want to keep finding more and more of it um, to help us grow in who we, who our understanding of who God is. So um, culture also is something that causes us to make our decisions a certain way. It causes us to raise our children a certain way. It causes us to make decisions in a certain way. So um, Sam's culture, the African culture where he grew up, Sam, would you ever make a decision all by yourself or would you make it as a family? By your family, yeah. But we would probably make our own decision. We would individually make our decision. We would not say, oh, let me get the wisdom of other people or let me see what my family thinks because we know our family might not agree, but we're going to do what we want, whereas other cultures make decisions as a collective group. Um, and that's different. Um, and work. Work ethic is different. Um, in France, they, they only work so many hours a day. They have a lot of time off. They do things. Well, we, in America, if you only work eight hours a day, you're a sloth. You know? Everybody works more. Um, it's not always a good work ethic, but it is kind of how we think in America sometimes. So I wanted to talk about what makes up a culture. And I just have a few, I wanted us to do a few examples. So you can see people up here. Um, and I want to thank Lori, who's not here this morning, um, because she made this at like 1030 last night for me. Um, sweet. Um, so let's talk about what makes up culture. And one of the big things is clothing. If people wear different clothing. So uh, you'll just see what's in Andy's in my closet. Um, so this is a Nepali shirt. Um, and this is a very traditional, important kind of shirt and fabric. And um, they value this kind of clothing. They wear it underneath all their other clothing, especially when it's cold outside. Um, I have traditional American, um, Nigerian, uh, Chinese, Indonesian, oh, Indonesian, um, Guatemalan. We have lots of different clothes. We have scarves. We have things that we wear to show our culture. We, um, you know, Americans, baseball caps, yeah, a tribe um, in India, this kind of hat. So they wear different things. There's different foods. So um, it's very different when you go to eat at people from other countries' homes. They will make you, they will honor you by making their food and 
it can be wonderful. It is wonderful. Occasionally, not. But mostly, it's really good. Um, when culture, so culture is food. Culture is um, skin color. Orange, pink, blue, black, brown. Skin color. That makes up a culture, people who live um, together. Um, language. Language is part of a culture. Most Africans know at least three languages, maybe more. How many languages do you know, Sam? Five languages. Most Americans know one. <laughs> yes, barely sometimes. So language is part of a culture. It says they are. Don't we like to, we as a people, we like to talk with people we can understand. Yes, that makes it easy. Um, so language is a very important part of culture. Our traditions, traditions can be different. Some people eat sitting on the floor. Some people eat with their hands. Um, I've been to many countries where people eat with their hands and you think, oh, that's so dirty. And they would say, it's dirty for us to eat with utensils. They know where their hand has been. They don't know where that fork or spoon has been. So they'd rather trust their hand. Um, so traditions, that tra marriage traditions, funeral traditions, they all can be very different but very important to that culture and who they are. Um, we talked a little bit about independent cultures and communal cultures. Um, and um, there's also shame-based cultures and guilt-based cultures. And we, as Americans, are guilt-based. And our guilt-based tactics don't work on shame-based people, who cultures. So shame-based would be, we would never say, um, Jeff, I'm going to pick on you. So if Jeff made a big, big mistake... Um, in counting the money, and he made a big mistake. We would never shame him by saying, that's really stupid, you're stupid. We would never say that. We would never call him out in a shame-based country. Um, shame-based countries, cultures, are um, they, would they would go around and go to an elder and say, you know, this happened. Do you think you could go to him and, and make it okay? They make ways of honoring people and what they do without shaming them and correcting in that way. It's a very different way. So um, I just thought we would have a few examples today. And so I need a volunteer. Don't all put your hands up at the same time. Okay, let's see. Betty, come on up. Come on up. So, Betty, today, you get to create your own culture, okay? So you get to pick the kind of dress you would like to wear. You can pick any of uh, the shawls, the sar uh, sarongs, the scarves, the shirts. You don't have to put it on. We'll just kind of drape it over you. So, okay. So Betty has chosen a batak um, wedding scarf. So we'll put it. They wear it like this, okay? Now, Betty, um, you also get to choose in your culture what kind of food do you want. Do you want to be a rice-based culture? Do you want to be a bean-based uh, culture? Do you want rice noodles or more of the Italian style or junk food? Ah, so Betty, in her culture that she's creating, is going to bean, bean culture. <laughs> Betty, what kind of language here? You get to hold this. 
what kind of language would you like to have in your culture? What what language would you like to speak in your culture? French. French. So this is her culture. She can have it anyway. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. She's picked a batak scarf. She's going to be a bean-based cult food tradition. She's going to speak French. And then she gets to choose her skin color. Pink, orange, or blue. Okay. I will give you your choice. Do you want it on your hand or your face? She's been putting it on my hand. <laughs> my husband not, might not understand. So, there we go. She, in her culture, her skin is orange. Now, is it wrong? Is it wrong? No. Is it, is it unique? Yes. yes. Is, <laughs> is having orange skin, are we going to not talk to her because she has orange skin? Some people might not. Well, that but, would be sad. But no one here. <laughs> so she has is a is a woman who likes to wear bata, whose culture and all her friends and all her family and all her neighbors are wearing bataks scarves. They're eating beans every day. They're speaking French and they have orange skin. All of them. All of them have that. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Benny. Thank you. Thank I'll you. come to my next party. Okay, we will. Usually you have to give us a scarf if we come to your party. It's all right. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I won't put us through multiple people of that, but you get the idea that it, our skin color is not wrong. The clothes we wear is not wrong. The food we eat is not wrong. It's just who we are, and God created that differently. Um we need to embrace that in each other. Even here, all of us would say we have different food that we like to eat, and it's not wrong. But as we are going to grow into the kingdom of God here on earth and and come under one service, one church, um, one roof, we are going to be um, closer to people who are more different from us than alike. And I want us to be ready. I want us to enjoy it. I want us to look forward to that. But it's not without problems. It's not without problems. I thought I would tell you a few of my more embarrassing stories. Um, so in Malaysia, most, um, amongst the Muslim Malay, um, I've spent quite a lot of time with them. And one, a wedding is about four days long. And so I uh, was going two days to this wedding. And I spent an entire day, probably 10 hours, sitting on a floor, a tile floor, um, watching the bride and groom change costumes all day and take pictures. And for whatever reason, the children all loved me. So they were all climbing all over me for those 10 hours, except when their parents took them away for a little bit to give me a break. And it was so fun. But there's this thing in Malay culture where you don't show the bottoms of your feet. So that it is what it is. You don't show the bottoms of your feet. So I'm sitting on this hard floor in a dress, and I can't sit Indian style anymore. My knees are killing me, and I don't sit sideways because my body doesn't move like that. So I just wanted to put my feet out straight and lean against the wall. I just wanted to do it so bad. And um, so no, there were no Malay in the room. They'd all left. So I just snuck my feet out. And everybody went, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Oh. So... That's a different cultural thing. It's not bad. They, they're fine with it. Um, 
But it was just a very hard one for me to, to um, make be okay for my body. Um, so I like to wear ankle bracelets. It's, it's not in style anymore, but I like them. Um, I'm kind of hippie-ish. You know, grew up in the 60s. Um, so I, Nepalis wear ankle bracelets. So I have ankle bracelets from them as gifts. So I was wearing them. And then um, we started getting more Africans. And then Emirates, one of um, our from our one of our families, moved in with us to go to school. And she first thing she said is, "You can't wear that anymore." And I said, "Well, why not? I like it." And she said, "Well, in my culture, that means you're a prostitute. So if you wear that, people are going to think you're a prostitute. The Americans are going to think you're a prostitute." And I said, "But I'm not, and they should know that." And so I really struggled with that. So do I just wear it when I go visit my Nepali friends and then take it off when I go visit my African friends? Do I, what do I do? How do I make this be okay? Because I don't want to offend. I don't want them, it's already, there's already so many barriers of making relationships between people who are from different cultures. Do I care enough about this ankle bracelet that I'm not, that I will wear it anyway? And then there's one more barrier for them to have to get over to see, to develop a relationship with me? Is it okay to give it up? Do I offend my Nepali friends when I don't wear it to see them? Oh my goodness, culture and honoring culture and not this, not totally not being who I am too. Tough things. Um, one time I was in a group of people, Africans, and I was meeting about 20 people that I'd never met before, brand new people into the country, new refugees. And I was at this home and I hadn't been known this family very long and so they're all there and we're chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting and I decided I needed to go home before it was dark because there was about two feet of snow on the ground and not that great driving in the snow and I, I thought I better go and so I just stood up and I said goodbye and I said goodbye, said goodbye, said goodbye, said goodbye, said goodbye and then I left. Well, a week later and they were all talking about how they were going to come to church a week later, we didn't see any of those people. And so I talked to the old lady, and she said, oh, they'll never come to your church. And I said, why? You didn't pray for them before you left. In our culture, the pastor's wife always prays before she leaves. And I went, but I didn't know. In America, I would never be in someone else's home and just start praying. I would ask or wait to be asked. And she said, too late. I said, no, it can't be too late. It can't be too late. And I was so grieved by that. And I said, please explain to them that I'm not this, you know, bad person, but that there's this cultural thing. And it really um, was difficult for me. And so I happened to run into one of the people that I met, and I tried to explain it to them. And um, she does now come to our church. But um, just these different cultural things. And does it block? It's a hurdle. Are we willing to humble ourselves and, and t- keep trying? Um Worship. Worship in American churches is pretty. You stand sometimes. Some people don't stand. Put their arms up. Some people don't do that. Some people do. You might get a little moving. You might get some youth jumping on the jumping song. Maybe. Pretty much. You might get some ballet people dancing or something in an American church. In other cultures, dancing is vital. Dancing is important. It is one way to worship Jesus. And so... We're going to be all together, and we have to enjoy 
each style. We're not going to go one way and not the other. We are multi-ethnic, so we're going to do all of those kinds of things. But it could be a little uncomfortable. I mean, today, you know, we're just doing a very simple dance. And some people were okay with that, and some people just watched. And it's okay. It's okay. But is it bad to dance? Some people might say yes. If you grew up in a church that said no dancing, it might be bad. You might think it's bad. That might be something you have to hurdle. Um, so um, these are some of our things. Um, uh, prayer. Um, I'm pretty quiet. I'm not a loud person. But um, And Americans pray one at a time. We say our prayer requests. We usually give lots of explanation, and then we pray. In other cultures, um, that's not necessarily the way it's done. You start praying, and everybody prays at the same time. They're praying. Some people walk away, and they face a different way so that they can concentrate. They're not distracted. They walk around. Um, now I've now I can't sit still and pray. I have to walk around. Uh, I, I've caught that that piece of culture in other people that makes me really um, like that. But they pray all together, and then somebody will close or pray for healing for somebody. But that's very different. That's very different. Um, and so the first couple times, I was like, "What do I do?" You know. Um, so um, lots of things. Food can be tricky in, in different cultures. And they eat different things. Or understanding that in America we have um, we have our cultures. We have African American culture. We have Hispanic culture. We have our white Western culture, um, and then sprinklings of other things that we've gotten used to. We eat Italian food now. We eat Mexican food. Um, those things are different. In other cultures, there are tribes, and some of those tribes are in our church now. Some of those tribes have killed each other in their own country. We have castes in Hinduism, in Nepali, and Indian. And those castes are hard for us to understand. There's low caste, there's high caste. Um, in, in the beginning of our church, we, uh, a Hindu girl became a Christian. She was high caste. And her, the man she wanted to marry was low caste. And um, about 75 people left our church. They were all Hindus. They had not yet come to Christ. But when that happened, they left. Their parents, their, their elders said, no, you cannot go. Um, culture is so strong. And how can we embrace them and help them understand the love of Jesus, that God loves the high caste and he loves the low caste? I'll just tell you a little story about um, a Nepali young Nepali woman who had been here in the States a lot but went back to Nepal to visit her grandparents and she does not like the caste system, and she is high caste. She does not like it. So she's walking down the road, and there's a man of low caste. And she's walking this way, and he's walking this way, but he starts going this way because he can't be near her. He can't. Uh, in their culture, that wouldn't be acceptable. And she starts chasing him. And she said, no, no, I want you to shake my hand. You shake my hand. And he was fit, so afraid. And he wouldn't do it. And she just kept following him and saying that. First of all, a man and a woman, they wouldn't shake hands. And then high caste, low caste, she was just breaking all these barriers. And her grandma started running after her, screaming at her to stop, stop, stop. And she wouldn't. She went and shook his hand. And her grandma pulled her by the hair back to the house. 
and put her in a tub and washed her with tomato juice. These are hard cultural things, and to understand that and to love people in that. Well, I just say that because, um, not that this is going to be hard. I think our world is changing, and God has brought people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to here. And it's his purpose to bring them here to help us. They have something to give to us. And um, when we when we talk about culture and we talk about Muslim culture, Hindu culture, Buddhist culture, American culture that is not following Jesus, um, and then we say, let's bring them to Christ. And what happens when they come to Christ? They still have their culture. They can still eat their food. They can still wear the clothes. They can still do a lot of their traditions because they're not bad, right? Eating junk food, if that's their cultural food, that's not bad. It's not healthy, but okay. Um, if they still want to wear their hats, their skin color is not going to change. Their dress is probably not going to change. Um, but their belief system changes. And our belief system changes as we come to know Christ more and more. So American culture, what's there's cultural things that when we come to know Jesus that we have to set aside. We have to do that. And we have to put on the culture of God. And so some of those cultural things would be um, bad language. That's strong in America. Drinking, drugs. These are things that we would say we want to take out of our culture and leave eating junk food. Um, if you're a Hindu, you would only worship one God instead of millions. You wouldn't offer food to idols. If you're a Muslim, you would um, give, accept Jesus as a savior, not as just a great prophet. If you're a Buddhist, you would change your thinking to say, my next life, there's no next life. I go to be with Jesus in heaven forever. These are things that have to change. And we have to put on God's culture. And over that culture, um, so we still would wear this. We wouldn't have to change this. We could still wear this. And we could uh, put on this hat. And we could eat rice noodles. We could still do all of that. That's who we could be. And we could have blue skin. That's all the same. Um, but we put on God's culture. And I just want us to think about what that is. And I'm going to go back to our scripture of God gives power and strength to his people. To put on God's culture over our own culture, we need his power and his strength to resist the things that we've known all our life or those things that he is saying can't be part of his culture. These things can all be part, but the things that keep us from totally devoting our lives to him. So um, I just have some scripture, and I just want us to really feel, understand God's culture. What is God's culture? So in Romans, by God's strength and power, we live for his kingdom and not our own. In James, by God's power and strength, we submit to God and to him only. In Romans, again, by God's power and strength, we are clothed with righteousness. Not of our own, but of his. He gives us righteousness. That's God's culture. No matter what color our skin is, no matter what we eat, no matter what we wear. In Ephesians, by God's power and strength, we submit to one another. In Matthew, by God's power and strength, we forgive as we've been forgiven. In Philippians, by God's power, 
power and strength, we tell the truth and we think on things that are true. In Romans, by God's power and strength, we love our neighbors as ourselves. In Colossians, by God's power and strength, we let the word of God dwell in us richly. That's part of God's culture. In Galatians, by God's power and strength, we let the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, be who we are, flow through us. By God's power and strength, we honor God above all other things. By God's power and strength in Romans, we live by faith and not by sight. In James, by God's on, um, power and strength, we are slow to anger. Um, in Luke, by God's power and strength, we seek and save the lost. These are all God's This is God's culture for us. In Ephesians, by God's power and strength, we are strong in him, not in ourselves. In Ephesians, by God's power and strength, we live in unity. And I just want to read this as our kind of our closing, because this is God's, um, he clothes us in himself, in his righteousness, and this is who we need to be. So Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. This is God's culture for all cultures, for all people who follow him. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. That's us. That's the world, the nations of the world who follow Jesus. This is us. And may we live this way. Um, through for the rest of our lives, no matter who we're sitting next to, no matter who we eat with, no matter who we work with, may we live, let God's culture, God's clothe us with his culture so that people can see his love in a new way every day. So I um, want to give people opportunity today if they want to pr- um, get some prayer. Um, I know that the only way that we can have unity like heaven on earth, is to put God's culture on. Otherwise, we will have conflict and misunderstanding, and we will anyway. But then we have God's culture, so we forgive. We have God's culture, so we love. We choose those things. It's not easy sometimes, but we choose it. So, church, I just want us to to make a commitment to be the culture of God, and that be more of a priority than the culture of our origin for us in Jesus name so if you'd like prayer today um, can come up and people will pray with you and um, we're just I'm very grateful to get to spend today with you and I bless your day okay, amen. can we stand one more time